has a current events pod. <laughs> now. now. All we talk about is current events. Um, but I haven't seen it. Macron's got coronavirus. It's not true. Last week, if you're listening to this when it comes out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he could be dead by now. I don't know, because I don't follow current events. Um, only only the latest in who has <laughs> coronavirus. Got yeah. coronavirus. Donald Trump got so it, guys. <laughs> Anybody hear about that? Anybody hear about this? Boy, this Trump guy. Is he going to get elected? What's going on with him? Um, here we are, Dan. Not only is it our... Uh, holiday episode uh, coming out possibly on Christmas. Is Christmas it's Christmas Day? Is, is it Christmas Day on Friday or is I it? I think it is. Yeah, I did check. We did it. We made it to Christmas. Um, happy uh, Christmas, as they say here. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, and everything else. And it's also much more importantly our tenth episode. Technically our 11th, but we don't count the intro, so it's our 10th episode. <laughs> we made it. We did it. We got this far. And wow, do we have a, a blowout episode for you today. <laughs> we got we got all the guests. Uh, uh, Noam Chomsky is going to be coming on later. Uh, who's the other? Kissinger is going to be coming on later. All the people on Death Watch. Giuliani. Um, <laughs> COVID Death Watch. COVID Death Watch. And yeah, 10th episode. Dan, we did it. Here we are. How do you feel? Um... Ecstatic. <laughs> Ecstatic. Mission accomplished, baby. No, it's nice. It's nice. It felt, mm. I mean, it's I mean, it's felt quite easy. Yeah. It has. Easier I than know. I think we I thought. Know. I mean, <laughs> which is worrying. I mean, I suppose maybe the the ease that I feel <laughs> the ease with which I feel we have produced these 10 podcasts. Yeah. Might be reflected in the substandard quality <laughs> of the yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> Having said that, Quality, qu- quantity over quality. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd rather ten shitty episodes. <laughs> no, these have all been so good. One polished. Yeah, as opposed to one really good one. Um, <laughs> when did we start? Started in October, I think. Um, September? No, not September or November. <laughs> so we, we just do the math. We 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 we. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually remember, remember either. There well, was a, there was a <laughs> there was a day, dear listener, when oh. I woke up to a to a to a WhatsApp message from Jack. Yes, which said something like, "I'm this far from doing a podcast." <laughs> he didn't specify how far this far was. Yeah, I also like, don't know I what I interpreted that to mean. <laughs> pretty, pretty damn close. <laughs> I don't know what uh, initiated me to send you that text. Yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> No idea. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was pleased to receive it. Yeah. 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 It was a possibility I'd been milling over in my head for quite a long time. Yeah. But I'm not an action person. I'm a yeah, milling sure. things over in your head person. Yeah. I, so I'm the was, exact it was opposite. It's good that you sort of like push, <laughs> Can't push, push, push the domino run. Push and... the domino. We did it. Um, it's funny because I feel like ever since we met, this is just kind of this stupid shit we talk about. And yeah, so now it's just kind of like, now we're just recording it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And making a little bit of an effort to... Yeah. A little bit of an effort. A little bit of an effort. Because yeah. I, I feel... Okay, so that's one of the things I figured we could talk about in this. First of all, <laughs> welcome. This is Auxiliary Statements. I'm Jack. I'm Dan. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I figured... Okay, so this is going to be... Our work... general work ethic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is going to be a bit of uh, how you say clip show. Um, we're phoning it in for this, our 10th episode. Um, and we're going to kind of do a little retrospective of a bunch of things. Everything that we've read. Um, so there's nothing new that we've read this week, but um, I figured kind of before we did that, we could kind of talk about 
have we figured out <laughs> what we're doing with this show yet? Why we're doing it? <laughs> because it, uh, ostensibly, we explained that in the intro episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are there are. It's worth looking back. I can't. If I if I'd have prepared, I'd have maybe listened to that, or at least thought to write down what it was that I ostensibly thought I had said in that first episode yeah. as a yeah. uh, rationale oh boy. for making a podcast. Don't go back and listen to that one. Just start here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or if you want some history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's funny. I was, I was, I was really opposed to putting that first episode out. And Jack was just like, "Yeah, it'll be fine." <laughs> um, now that it's all going out, I'm sort of like, I just it's now it's history. Yeah, it's just sort of disappearing into the wake. Yeah, because we have like, we've discussed so the possibility on like rewriting. The... Yeah, we've discussed the possibility of redoing that episode, but perhaps now the history should be left as it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's my sense. That's my sentiment. Yeah, we'll we'll be pleased. I mean, if 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 we carry on doing this for any length of time, mm. I think it will be quite. I mean, we would have always had the recording anyway, but like, yeah, it'd be quite nice to be able to go back and like, yeah. Look at that genuine first episode. Yeah. Um, we could do commentary. <laughs> play by play. Oh, here and now I say something that's really wrong. It. <laughs> um, it's funny. Abs- yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I guess I'll use this word again, but ostensibly we said that we were going to do this episode, call it auxiliary statement, or do the show, call it auxiliary statements to kind of like take a look at some of the theories uh, and the dogma of ostensibly Marxism to ostensibly uh-huh. look at what other kind of like addendums we could ostensibly make to those ostensible theories. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like, yeah, we are definitely trying to not just read the basic, well, not basic, but the like, you know, read this if you want to be a Marxist, as we said in our Althusser episode. Um, but it's interesting because I feel like this show has definitely become a lot of like, which I really enjoy, like an excuse to just research stuff, an excuse to read, I guess. Sure, yeah. I know? mean, I... I one of my main motivations was just that, like, to have some kind of project to hang exactly some of my own research around because yeah. I kind of read things a little bit, yeah, <laughs> um, and sort of thought, oh, that's sometimes occasionally I would come across something that, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. I'm really thrilled by this. Mm. Sort of think about pursuing it somehow, some way, kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I have no way to actually turn it into a research project of any sort. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think we're we're necessarily doing research at the moment. <laughs> Um, you know what but it we is? are we are I think I think there is a yeah there is a, a, yeah I'm enjoying the sort of educational element for ourselves kind of thing totally um and I've sort of decided that um we should just let our uh curiosity be the guide absolutely yeah I mean there is no other way I mean there are other ways I suppose there are yeah. there are um either deciding what people might actually want to listen to <laughs> uh, I suppose there's also deciding what people ought to know yeah um but i'm more more comfortable with i suppose um Mm. i mean yeah i'm more comfortable with finding what it is that we're interested in absolutely um, and i don't know it's less if people want to listen they can listen totally totally that's a really good point because yeah i always was kind of put off by the like because i don't know like i feel like i know the kind of like sect of uh uh leftists potential like online leftists that I'd like to be a part of in terms of like my theory and the way that I think. But I think that you're right. It is kind of, if I can tie your thought in, it is kind of almost dangerous to kind of just read those things that I that think that those people read that I want to be a part of. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. I feel like, yeah, if you don't let curiosity be a guide, A, you're going to like miss out on some of the things that you wouldn't have read otherwise, obviously. 
but it's also just like like i said it's so gatekeepy it's so like the way that so much theory is talked about on the left is talked about in terms of like oh you've read robert brenner oh i read ellen meeson's wood you know you do you read robert brenner blah 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 but it's like well yeah god you're just not getting everything that you could be because now that it's just so tied down to like i don't know what it means to be a real leftist you know what i mean it's dangerous we could come on in in a minute to like we should have a bit of a conversation it would be good to do it now on air i suppose mm. about our we've we've had this joking attitude that's come up a few times on air on air i suppose on, on air. a podcast uh. um but uh, other times equally jokingly between the two of us are just like not going to read lenin or not yeah. going to read like um yeah. and in some respects it is only a joke in that like i'm i am quite interested in those texts and that history kind of sure thing. sure and at some point maybe we'll get to it right there are aspects of like um sort of communist history mm. the history of the soviet union the sort of like various big uh, revolutions that um yeah <laughs> we all sort of hang out we quite easily hang out sort of fixation and sort of like um, fidelity on mm. um but yeah also there is this kind of like um i'm keen to i feel like by jumping into those kind of texts it's just quite alienating sure even if even if not in a gatekeepy way or just in a simple like Oh God! Some more people like yeah. talking about exactly yeah. like you just like um, I would like to. I mean, there is a broader conversation that we've been having, and we we will hopefully have at some point about also how we feel about terminology like communist and socialist. Yeah. Um, what it means. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Both in terms of like actual reality and then also sort of like social understand like what people actually understand those things to mean what we understand those things to mean what historic agents have understood those things to mean yeah. i mean it's a much bigger thing that we can't really um delve into super deeply now although obviously we have all the time mm. in the world so we could do it mm. um but i was quite keen to like take those words and just attach them to other things yeah. or like try and make them feel at least a little bit like an open system like uh certain elements you can take or leave you don't have to adopt everything as in just in in its totality kind of thing Mm. um i mean i don't know whether we've been succeeding like that but um that's kind of my aspiration when i sort of step back and think about like a a philosophy what maybe one sort of philosophy that i'm trying to apply kind of thing the philosophy of the pod yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um Um... but also like I, i i have a secret thing which i'm trying to achieve which is like almost quite antithetical to that mm. which is i would quite like to learn to come across as an orthodox marxist of some sort or other yeah one of these days in we'll the... figure it out <laughs> we'll figure it out in the sense that like i'd like to uh i'd like to pass in sort of like um those circles in those circles yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so maybe that's not necessarily something that like i mean that can be a motivation for my mm. of my own kind of thing yeah, yeah i don't yeah. know how much like sort of like spills into the podcast but it's almost slightly antithetical to this idea of like um broadening out this terminology well we did talk about... i also do have an attachment to like the, mm. the sort of like the uh the the big m sort yeah. of marxism yeah um big m. what that means and what, what that's historically meant kind of thing as opposed to like a yeah small lamb just sort of like... <laughs> i'm a small lamb that's the thing it's i was thinking about this the other day like I, I would just like to get to the point where i can call myself a marxist without just being like that guy has no fucking idea what he's talking yeah. about because <laughs> I, at this point i really don't quite frankly yeah, 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 yeah. um yeah i mean um yeah long uh, long time public 
uh, podcaster and um, pub. And, like I don't know what his, his official title is, but it was like um, freelance publisher at Zero Books. Mm. Douglas Lane mm. always calls himself a wannabe Marxist, yeah. and he's been he's been in the podcast game for a decade now, <laughs> yeah. sort of interviewing all these people and like reading <laughs> reading Capital extensively and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I feel like it's probably one of those things. It's quite it's quite a good way to look at it like mm. you yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a you just like there's always a sort of like striving after something that's not quite there kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah um i better better that than thinking you have it all down kind of thing i sure. mean that's that's the road that's the road to to um, madness yeah yeah it's but also like intellectual stagnation totally and sort of like social historical irrelevance is to say that like uh, everything that was of significance was written in the yeah, exactly. 18th century. Yeah, exactly. All of the historical events of consequence happened yeah. prior to like 1920. Yeah, exactly. It happened from 1789 to 1918. Yeah. That's it. We don't care anything else after that. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether um, we are the most equipped people or in the world <laughs> to be embarking on a project of uh-huh. like <laughs> trying to uh, connect a kind of like socialist Marxist past with mm. the sort of like a mandatory future of some sort kind of sure. thing. Um, but doesn't it just have to be us? <laughs> yeah. yeah, please help. <laughs> um, and that I think that's to some extent the effort that I think needs to be made in general, and that mm. it's, I'd quite like to think of us at least as we go forward, working out mm. how to contribute to. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we did. I, I, I keep in mind when we say uh, Orthodox Marxist, we are also have been discussing reading Murray Bookchin. So we're going everywhere, baby. We're going everywhere. Next, we'll be reading Alan Greenspan uh, uh, and all the other Chicago boys. Yeah, well, I, I, I initially I was a bit. I wasn't quite sure how we'd pitch the show and in what way. Like mm. in the first episode, I just came out with sort of Marxist communist. Yeah. And then now I sometimes say socialist rather than Marxist communist. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like we've stuck relatively close to a particular canon and tradition. Yeah. Um, and whether there are more interesting things to look at, whether it's a matter of looking at other political traditions like anarchism, mm. or whether it's a matter of looking at other academic fields and then sort of feeding that knowledge back in kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there are certain sort of like academic fields that I'd like to do some reading around. I'd like to read some anthropology. Yeah. Um, I'd like to learn more about, like, I mean, maybe there's some, like, evolutionary biology that would be quite interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's, there, there are there are other fields which we might be able to draw from and then put a sort of, like, politi- political veneer over the top of. So yeah, totally. Like, uh, moving forward as well, that's also something yeah. I quite like to yeah. think about. Dan and I ran into each other at uh, a local grocery store last night. Dan caught me in the act of just staring at the donuts um and... yeah you look like you'd, you 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 had a single-minded focus that you had to get to the shop I did. knowing that you wanted some kind of treat I did. that was all it was and after then you dinner. then you were then you were stuck in the sort of bind of yeah. what is it i actually want what is it that I actually <laughs> the, want the real question what do, it was what more does so, jack want what can i get to not be disgusted with myself and then i saw you and i was like i can't get donuts oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just embarrassing <laughs> the one thing i'm getting um so i got you cookies should donuts. i should have nice yeah, always tonight um so yeah clip show here we are yeah, look at yeah, us yeah, we're doing yeah, it yeah. um but before we kind of move on we but, were definitely talking about in the coming few episodes or just in the future 
you know, getting into some ecology would be great. Like you mentioned, anthropology, sure. evolutionary biology, um, philosophy of science will probably possibly do next episode, next actually, bit of that. to explain the title a little bit more yeah. of the show. Um, and yeah, 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 it could be very good. Do some ex expanding our horizons. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> we'll find out. We'll find out. Tune in next week. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a voyage of discovery for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is no... There is no, there is no big plan. I'd like yeah. to have like a five episode plan or something. But yeah. we'll, we'll see, we'll see, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Hope well, we we could do that, but then the authors we want to read will get cancelled. So then we can't read them. Um. Oh, <laughs> it's cancel culture run amok. Um, speaking of cancel culture, let's go through our episodes and see which ones we can cancel. Yeah. Um, so we started it off. Uh, episodes we'll do this kind of chronologically episodes the intro uh episode one and episode six were all on our good friend ralph Miliband. Mm -hmm. um and so yeah obviously that's a book that we'll be we read a lot from these past 10 episodes and we'll be reading more from in the future to <laughs> eventually finish it whenever <laughs> that happens um eventually finish that short introductory book, short book. Marxism. <laughs> a lot to talk about though um and yeah i Obviously, we got a lot, we've been getting a lot from that uh, book, uh, Marxism and Politics, um, and yes, definitely one of the things that we've read that you can pull the most from. As I've said in a previous episode, I think if you're new to Marxism, new to leftism, or anything like that, and you're kind of like this Marx guy, you know, what was he talking about? Um, this could be the primer to pick up as your first reading. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's certainly true. Yeah. Um... It's clear. Uh, and Miliband, I mean, I've said this before, but obviously we're going to recap ourselves to some extent. Uh, <laughs> Miliband's somebody who sits quite outside of the big end Marxist tradition to some extent. Yeah. So I think he managed to bring his own perspective, um, seemingly from my limited experience so far, sort of like... Um, yeah, yeah, he brings... Has a has a unique outlook and experience... Um, and uh, also very erudite and uh, mm. easy to read. Really written. Yeah. Um, what is most appealing to that book, and what I think we took what most from it, um, was just how detailed a, a perspective to aim for or to try and take, kind of thing. Um, one of the things that that was really helping with, and it kind of connects to aspects of the what I imagine to be the mission step, what at least one aspect of the mission statement of this podcast, um, is to sort of like take bigger concepts and try and actually work out mm. um, what they mean in a more sort of fine detailed way, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the class episode is a good example where it's like you, one is confronted um, with a lot of sort of rhetoric about around class obviously it's central to uh, marxist and communist politics um and socialist politics as well cool. um but it's quite you're quite usually confronted with like some big terms and sort of some grand theoretical narrative yeah quite often a, a, what feels quite a lot like an ahistorical narrative um and language like bourgeoisie and proletariat can yeah. be very alienated both to sort of like a totally lay and uneducated um, listener or even to people who are sort of familiar with that terminology but don't really know what it is that the person who they're talking to actually means by those terms um, and it seems to imply a lot of like both um, 
historical theories and political tactics that you don't necessarily know um, whether you agree with or whether you understand them fully. That's certainly been my experience sometimes when I meet mm. people on the left who sort of like have this uh, sort of rhetoric that they uh, they deploy um, and I'm both sort of alienated by it and then also kind of like um, confused and yeah. maybe even belittled by it in the sense that I'm like, oh, what, do I do I measure up to this person's sort of yeah. theoretical heft or yeah. are they just like conning me with sort of, sort of, <laughs> sort of empty terminology and phrases? And like things. I'm trying to do. Um, so, yeah, quite. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're in the same, we're in the same con game with anybody <laughs> else. Con yeah, game. yeah, yeah. No, please do not, please do not think us um, uh, erudite educators yeah, of any sort. But obviously, that first ep the first episode that we did on class and um, the rest of that book, also mm. the class one in particular, like really breaks down those pieces of terminology, Absolutely. puts them in both historical and sociological context, yeah. like um, encourages a, the kind of analysis of terminology and the real world which is going to be necessary if one wants to actually take theory and apply it to a contemporary setting, rather than just like trot out some theoretical terms and then. Um, go home thinking that you've actually made a significant impact. Yeah. Not that we claim to be making any <laughs> significant political impact, um, either in the real world or in the minds of ourselves or the listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it also, I think, yeah, I think especially that chap. I would call it the first chapter. Technically, it is the first chapter, but it's also not the first chapter. Yeah. It's second. Um, class and conflict uh, really does break down a lot of those terms. And it does just kind of get you to think, like, if you're if you're really going to take seriously the idea of trying to understand political theory of um, economics of sociology and you're really going to try and understand the way the world works and not just be like some pompous jerk marxist you know you do need to engage with critical thinking quite a bit because if you just read the communist manifesto and you go you know, to like your next uh, DSA meeting and you're like, oh, well, the two hostile classes directly opposed to each other. Like you're going to come across as a dick and you're also wrong, you know, more importantly. And I think that's what this chapter and the, the whole of the book does really well, which is break down these ideas, whether it's class, class conflict, um, uh, superstructure as well. He doesn't go kind of as hard against the idea of base and superstructure as like Ellen Meekson's would, would, I think, where she would just toss the whole thing out. But he does critical. in the introduction to that book he's quite critical mm -hmm. in the sense that um he doesn't want to be he... an economic determinist I suppose. yeah i mean yeah. well th th that book is all about really that th that book marxism and politics is all about trying to work out what a marxist politics is yeah um and in the introduction he makes the case that um marxism really has never had political theory it's yeah. not actually got any political theories kind of thing um he th what the Argues against like theories of base and superstructure in a similar way, I think, to which uh, Ellen Mixon's Wood would, or one aspect of her criticism mm. um, he shares is that um, it divorces like political thinking and makes everybody focus purely on economics, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and he ties it into a, a desire from sort of like. Uh, Stalinist politics and the Soviet Union really to sort of like uh, distract from everything other than um, the Soviet Union and its efforts to industrialize um, and uh, sort of like the ideology of Stalinism um, being one that attaches um, 
a huge amount of significance and makes its sole goal only sort of economic development. Mm. Um, and that has meant that um, Marxism surrendered or never even had any desire to actually like develop a political theory of its own yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he does the same thing with um, with kind of the Althusserian, at least kind of like if you just read the ISA, RSA stuff, theory of the state, kind of like why Marxists tend to call the state just an instrument of class oppression, just run by one class at the expense of the other class, um, which is all really good because, you know, he doesn't throw any of these ideas out. He just kind of like explains why you might hear some like uh, college Marxists say these things, right? And it gives you the tools, I think, to think critically. So, yeah. All in all, yeah, yeah, good. yeah. When that book combined with the Ellen Mixon's Wood readings that we've yeah. done um, has sort of set us on a sort of trajectory, uh, which is um, very much more historical, or sort of like fixate focused on history and its narrative kind of thing, um, rather mm. than putting the theory first I suppose. Yeah, yeah 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 or ra yeah rather than any type of determinism certainly certainly yeah, yeah. um yeah, yeah. and also seemingly set opposed set opposed sets itself opposed to various types of structuralism as well mm. i wonder whether that's a i mean i i um have been quite attracted to and convinced by those aspects of those uh several readings um it was nice to have those two um play into one another in certain ways or yeah. sort of like that in the sense that like um we've been learning a theory or educating ourselves and also to the sense that there's sort of being a sort of meta structure to yeah. the first 10 episodes which was intended. that sort of yeah yeah entirely <laughs> intentional um sort of something that has sort of like um revealed itself to us or sort of like, yeah um i think going forward we need to do some more reading around that decide how we hold whether we hold with that or not um but it's been it's been nice to sort of like attach ourselves to some certain yeah. strands that have been running through yeah. Uh, yeah i think going forward i mean certainly um in our in last week's episode um we were having a little bit of difficulty between the idea of sort of economic determinism as opposed to um i don't know like um class conf i suppose the the opposite to economic determinism would be class class conflict mm. um resulting in changes in social relations yeah. rather than changes in um technology automatically sort of like fostering changes, changes in, in our wet relations hair. kind of thing changes in our <laughs> to bring that back um but i think we have we certainly have a lot more work to do in um passing that distinction to some extent yeah sure um, i think we owe very, very certain types of technological determinism i suppose um a closer reading and a sort of like uh kind of uh, i don't know i i suppose yeah um, yeah yeah i definitely have more of a critical eye for anything that even smacks a little bit of technological determinism these yeah, yeah, days yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. like get it out of here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um all in all 10 out of 10 Nice. I would say so far we haven't finished the book. We haven't finished Marxism and <laughs> oh, politics book, okay. yet. I thought you were. I thought you were grading, grading. our podcast. So far, our podcast ten out of ten, eleven out of ten. Let's be honest. Uh, this book, ten out of ten. 10 let's out rate them. Let's rate them as we go. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> damn it! You should have told me we were going to do this. <laughs> okay, ten out of ten. Ten out of yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
You buy I, I only hesitate because I want to give Elden Mixon's Wood even more. Yeah, I know. Same. So. Yeah, I know. Um, so there's the name, Elden Mixon's Wood. That was episodes... Oh, no! Oh, my God, I'm putting the cup before the horse. I, I get these all wrong. Uh-huh. Um, put her to the side for now. Episode two, the Tribune interviews that we looked at. So that was... We looked at Tribune's... I think it was like their winter edition, whatever. Um, they have two uh, articles in there well they have a whole series of articles on the decade a decade called a decade on the left with a look back 10 years what the left has not accomplished um but we and... felt, felt most able to talk about the yeah. u.s and uk cases <laughs> yeah and uh, didn't even want to attempt to sound like we had knew anything about yeah um, but amos Spain or Cerezo, yeah. Or, yeah 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 one of these days we should um educate ourselves there's no reason not to but yeah, so they interviewed Jeremy Corbyn, and they interviewed Brianna Joy Gray, press secretary for the Sanders campaign. Um, what did we learn from that? My note, my first note just says, goddamn parliament. I guess that's for uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Because sure, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. he had the quote about the Labour Party can't win if it just goes after a West Westminster campaign. Yeah, I, I suppose there was a certain element to both of um, the narratives or explanations of events that were presented by both of the interviewees. Mm in those two interviews um, which smacked a little of um the kind of liberal view of politics yeah. that we'd learned about from 100 uh, miliband to some extent 100 uh, it, it, it's the extent that they both ex- seem to um have expected to be playing on an even field yeah kind of thing to be treated fairly by the political establishment certainly more um, so in the sanders camp I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but, but yeah, right. I mean, certainly, um, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn in that interview wanted to be very moralizing about the the, the parliamentary Labour Party and how do they like, sleep, at and night? also like the the other agents in the Labour Party, yeah, for um, disrupting his efforts to. Yeah, I don't know what his efforts were, but anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Community organizing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a single and... case, yeah, but just yeah. generally, more broadly, undermining his leadership. Yeah, yeah. Um, throughout, he's got his, his a current events pod. He started his little NGO or whatever it is. Um, what's it called? The Peace and uh, Peace and Prosperity Justice, or something like prosperity. that. Just yeah, something like that. Some yeah, vague. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he's starting a podcast because he he tweeted. He was like, "Watch this space." Announcement. He's starting a podcast. Hundred percent. He should have just started a podcast. Not going to start a podcast. He could. Yeah. We could produce it for him. Mm. Sure. Jeremy, come on the pod. (laughs) I know you have nothing better to do. Come on. Um, But yeah, I don't know what else do we what else did we get from that? It was it was it was interesting. I think that the comparison between reading an interview with Corbin and then an interview with someone who was really engaged in Sanders' campaign was an interesting kind of comparison. I would have liked to have seen what other people, possibly more radical than Corbyn, who worked for his campaign, would have said in interviews. Um, sure. Potentially someone like... We can like, find those interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, potentially someone, uh, I don't know, like someone who's in this room. Um, or, like, yeah, I don't know. It was inter- it was really interesting seeing Brianna Joy Gray talk about uh, the press and what she expected from the press versus what she got. Um, and it goes to show that at least at a federal level, um, radical politics have such a long way to go in America, um, really even as compared to Corbyn. Um, and the other thing that I got from it that I think we both talked about on the episode was how interesting it was that even though it has such a long way to go, and even though Sanders is basically still a liberal, you know, he's like a social Democrat who wouldn't, you know, his foreign policy is like nothing different from really anybody else in the Democratic Party, um, 
how excited so many communists and socialists and people like that got in America. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't really come to terms with that. Even with myself. It was like, I don't know, was it just a breadcrumb? Was it just like, we were dreaming about something that could happen? Was it just that we haven't had anything like that in recent memory? At least in my generation? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There is a, I, I, there is a broader question for me, which I'm still kind of working on mm. the answer to. Mm. Um, mm. Which is how to connect one's involvement with sort of an established potentially if you're being generous sort of center left yeah um social democratic party how mm. to connect an engagement with that to um a commitment to i, I guess broadly speaking a revolutionary politics sure um and what the utility is in engaging with the labor party if your ultimate aim is um a horizon which is infinitely more radical and revolutionary sure. than um, one held by the broad swathe of people involved with the Labour Party and certainly with anyone in, in Parliament and its leadership kind of thing. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it's just a, a simply, a, um, as you say, kind of like a desperate scrambling toward whatever it is that seems to be current and happening yeah. to be of relevance, um, whether it's just that we we saw the name socialist attached to some of these characters and so we were like, oh, well, with them, we're with yeah. them, clearly. Well, I mean, everybody talks about, you know, the impossibility of pushing someone like Joe Biden left, right? And like, ah, oh, you know, if we just get Joe Biden in, like, dude, we'll be able to, like, change him through public pressure and stuff. And like, the kind of, like, uh, un- the unreality, the non-reality of that, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. kind of craziness of that. Um, but also it's like, it's the same thing with Sanders. I mean, were we going to push Bernie Sanders left? It's like, I think the point of a Sanders presidency, if that ever happened, would have been perhaps something more to do with class consciousness, maybe. Yeah. yeah and I mean, yeah. you hear a lot of leftists in America talk about, actually, it's more so like liberals, like, you know, advising leftists about like, you know, you just need one thing and stick with it. And as we saw, I think with Reagan, you know, there's a lot of single issue stuff going on there that just made him president. And a lot of people kind of say, you know, if you really want to get elected, you just have to focus on one thing. And it's generally kind of thought of as that one thing would be Medicare for all. Right. Sure, yeah, you just yeah. need that one thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the, the alternate strategy that's usually put is some form of um, community organizing or mm-hmm. um, sort of single issue, single issue campaigning. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they call it? Base building. Base building. Like you, you go to where people are and you try and solve their problems. Yeah. Um, base and superstructure building (laughs) (laughs) and hope yeah hope by engaging with them at the level of their needs without any without asking anything in return yeah um come to recognize the sort of like worthwhileness of you as people or your politics in general um either that opens then then opens up a space for you to talk about politics or Mm. um maybe they never adopt your politics but always look favorably upon you as somebody can who can lend aid or who can lead yeah. or that kind of thing um yeah i remember I mean, to some extent that what i'm describing there is sort of the classical leninist strategy of like uh, the vanguard oh, party uh, um oh, ml dan uh, <laughs> um i mean not necessarily in in the hands of like lenin and the bolsheviks in 1917 like it was certainly a winning strategy in the sense of like sure um, they won they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but managed to com- be a, a relative minority party at yeah. the beginning of that revolutionary period but mm. um 
to some extent by having the right answers or being in the right places at the right times or being uh, leading the right campaigns or uh, blah, blah 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 sort of like yeah one influence and power with the masses that mattered kind of thing um, yeah so i remember a long t- a long time ago you said something about like politics at this point can't be about convincing people it needs to be about winning um and that kind of smacks of that a little bit but it's also like I've been thinking about that, and a lot of it is just convincing people who their enemies are, right? Yeah, That's so yeah, much yeah. of it. It's just, no, god damn it, these people are your enemies. Look, you just want to, like, smack people and be yeah. like, look at this. <laughs> so it's like maybe if with this kind of, like, lib advice to the lefties about, like, just focus on Medicare for all, which I'm not standing, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, that would just be – Sanders' presidency would have just been – at least pharmaceutical companies are your enemies. At least, yeah, at yeah, least, yeah, don't yeah, trust yeah, them. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, 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 not don't. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose money. there's an extent to which, like, not just that campaign, but yeah, Medicare for all plus whatever yeah. you want to do, kind of thing. Yeah, um, don't tie yourself down to any one thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you raise a really interesting point, and it's the it's the one that like. Um, jumps into people's mind when they get most frustrated with the state of the world and, and sort of the general public's mm. willingness to sort of acquiesce to yeah. the most sort of like uh, ludicrous activities of like <laughs> the ruling class or the or or that the ruling class is like uh, representatives in a political arena like yeah. political parties or whatever yeah <laughs> um, like, like why are people still so attached to Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. One of the ludicrous characters. I, I, I just um, and, 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 and someone whose track record of tenure is sort of unmitigated failure. Unmitigated uh, failure but, but and he, just trying to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> doing his best to murder you. But yeah, there is a question of like, do do we just do we just not have access to um, people in the way that would be necessary to be yeah. able to actually set the narrative about who the enemy is kind of thing well you have to prove it to people you can't just be like on twitter and social media and uh <laughs> democracy now i don't know i was trying yeah. to think of like the most <laughs> left thing i could think of yeesh um and and just and just scold people for being idiots and you you know you fool this is right this is right look at yeah, this yeah, theory yeah, oh god yeah, that's yeah, literally exactly yeah. what we're doing but you know you have to prove it to people you have to show people that like yeah, pharmaceutical companies are your enemies. But you know why? Is because they're operating in a market and all they want to do is make money. So they won't treat your cancer because they'll make more money not treating your cancer. It's the same thing with everybody, you know? I don't know. Check out my beanie because I'm getting heated. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, Certainly, who yeah. says we're not a current events podcast? We're talking about Jeremy Corbyn and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Very current. Current. Uh, seven out of ten. Four. Uh, all the, the trivia stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, six. Six. Even, Fair enough. Even, even, uh, um, because tribunes apparently are enemies. And, all, <laughs> and, all, and also, we didn't understand that last question that was asked of Jeremy. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was so weird. Such like a weird in joke with him and Ronan Burtonshaw. Mm-hmm. Ronan Burtonshaw. Yeah, I mean, I guess the I guess the place that we ended that um, podcast and what was nice for me about that episode was that we ended a sort of almost like a quite a spontaneously generated place, mm. one that I hadn't expected to end up. It was plain. Which was a discussion about. Um, what we basically what we've just talked about right which is let's get back into it like (laughs) uh which is um a strategy uh primarily focused on sort of like base building or community organizing yeah um, would be the way to build support for a political project and a political party regardless of whichever party that is kind of thing yeah um but it's certainly something the labor party should have engaged in more so than they did i would i am i am willing to even just for my own sanity believe the simplistic narrative of um 
they were doing that and then Brexit stuff happened. So sure. yeah, yeah. why not? I'm at a six out of ten. Yeah. Um I've gone down one. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Let's okay. let's move on before uh oh. <laughs> before <laughs> well, I drop any more. <laughs> um well you said her name, Dan, uh fifteen or twenty minutes ago. Um episodes three and four of Auxiliary Statements, the podcast. Ellen Meekson's Wood, The Origin of Capitalism. This was, I believe, yeah, this was the one book that we've read one all of. whole book. And I said to you last night when we, you saw me staring at the donuts. Oh, God, you're going to tell them we're committed. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just that, uh, that that was the one that I got the most of. And you were like, well, yeah, it's because those, we read yeah, a whole book. Well, I, think and I was you, like, okay. I think it was you that said, well, it was a whole book that we read. <laughs> Maybe I said it all. Who knows? I had donuts on the brain. Still do, honestly. Um... But yeah, wow, what a what a book. Yeah, yeah. What a yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Love it. She's great. And uh cool that she read she wrote the intro to the Miller Band. Sure. And now we're we read that. I guess that's probably what inspired it, potentially. You just no, uh, well, I, I just had it in mind as something that mm. um we should read. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, glad we did. Yeah, it's the one it's the one thing if setting out when we were setting out and I had this sort of aspiration of there being at least an element, um to the podcast which was directly educational not yep. educating ourselves but next, yeah. to some extent like offering education to the listener mm. um was some insight yeah yeah <laughs> um I, I sort of had this aspiration of almost being syllabus-esque in a kind of like um sort of having a podcast that was kind of like a primer on certain ideas sure um now we have. I don't. I don't think we can necessarily follow through with that. Although that trajectory can run parallel to our own education and absolutely we can do it at the same time. And yeah, disclaimer. Um, but to some extent, that 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 book was the one that I started out thinking that we should talk about. Certainly, mm. um, and I. I just find yeah. I, I find it a really fascinating. Well, it was really important to me when I first read it. Um, and as a as an early idea to seed in one's head that sort of capitalism had this very specific beginning yeah um and it has uh certain traits that make capitalism specific or that make the economic system that we call capitalism specific and different from other economic systems yeah um i think it's a very useful thing to have and to hold and to sort of like uh deploy mm. in other on other occasions when you're sort of thinking about theory or sure. these, these ideas of one sort or other mm. um and then again that she follows this very kind of like fine detailed um that, that she could that, that 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 theory of the transition from um from feudalism to capitalism um and i suppose the theory the broader theory it offers for transitions of that sort both manages to hold that there are distinct economic um modes of production um but there isn't a big hard break in between them there mm. is this sort of like transitional process, and so that we you you can both see history as both a long span of one period of time that has a course and a trajectory running throughout it, and then it also has these specific periods overlaid above it, kind of thing. Which are which almost random, right? Almost so, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. point where it's like she made one a couple of really good points where it's like. Coming out of feudalism, feudalism, it could have been this, could have been this, could have been this, yes, could have been this. Yeah. It wasn't any of these. It was this weird thing that was made up on this yeah. syphilitic island, no offense, <laughs> on the edge of the world. <laughs> I almost said foggy, but I like syphilitic's one sure, of my favorite yeah, yeah. words. Um, and yeah, just random. 
Um, really, really a great book to read if you want to knock the goddamn commercialization model out of everybody's heads, which is really important to do for one reason, because this theory of like, people are always capitalists, dude. And so it's just the end goal, the natural thing. One, it's very hopeful to see the beginning, to see the end, right? right? Mm -hmm. And it's also, um, it's, yeah, just that randomness of it is is kind of freaky, right? It's kind of freaky that like that happened and that that's the way that we do things now and that that's, just kind of how it is. Yeah. Um, but it's also really important too for just knocking that, like I said, knocking that narrative out, out of people's heads because that makes you realize kind of it, it's it's as close, I think, to a red pill as we've come on this show uh-huh. just because it's like if you were to plant this information in someone's head who was just like a lib capitalist, uh, they would go, oh my God, <laughs> everything I believe is a lie because it's like, this isn't the natural way of doing things. This isn't the way people have always done it. Sure. And it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So yeah, important book. Yeah. There are some interesting things that come off of it. Um, one is that like um, the degree to which it can lead us into other fields kind of thing. It can lead us into totally. questions of human nature. It can mm-hmm. lead us into questions of sort of social anthropology to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think that's something that I would it would be really good for us to sort of pin down in future. Um, and there are there are certainly books on sort of other modes of production and other sort of tr- periods of transition. I'd quite like to f- yeah. fill out our sort of yeah. our knowledge and also sort of like our uh, back catalogue with episodes yeah. which sort of fill out history to some extent. Um, and there are certainly some books that I could think of that I've been meaning to try and get hold of and read. So yeah, um, I'd quite like to read uh, Marshall Solomons' book on Stone Age economics. Whoa, um, that sounds cool. Which might be, would perhaps complement that also. That Marshall Solomons is an anthropologist. So, cool. Um, like the Stone Age. So so that would be one to go with. Cool. Um, what else does Ellen Nix's would make me think of? What does she? What, oh, yeah. I liked, I liked learning about um, the distinction that she had between primitive accumulation as... Uh, we make a bunch of money and now we can make more money as primitive accumulation of capital as social relations. Yeah, yeah. But that was really important um, to understand and to parse. And <clears throat> it's an easy book to read. It is a verso book. It is an easy book to read, though, because of the way we've talked about this a couple times, the way that it's written, in that you know what's coming next and you know how she's going to structure everything. And so, um, yeah, it was good to read in that sense. Yeah. Fully recommended one of the other things of I was that. just thinking about then was um, something for us to think about going forward is to ask ourselves whether there is any truth in the kind of like um, Marxist theory that once you have some understanding of history, you can intervene in its process in a way mm. that we can take away some of the randomness that you were talking about yeah. to some extent. Like, mm. um, are we now in a position to understand history and the way it works and the way it changes and the way it moves kind of thing mm. um and does it does it leave us better able to intervene to any extent i mean at, looking back it was, it was in that first when the first of the two episodes that we did on that where we sort of found ourselves a bit sort of undone by this idea that, yeah um <laughs> to some to some extent it was quite random this random jostling of uh class relations under feudalism gave this other outcome which then spurred on a total change in social relations kind of thing mm. um Obviously, make that, that that book also makes the case, and that argument makes the case for um, looking to class conflict as the thing which propels or motivates changes in um, economic mode of production. Kind of totally, thing. yeah. Um, there, there isn't there is a an Ella Mixon's Wood essay I'd like to read quite soon um, on E. P. Thompson's theories of class, which oh, cool. um, 
which I think might mm. help us sort of like progress some of those ideas. And I think extent. we gave that a uh, little bit of short shrift in that episode. We didn't talk about Thompson a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came up very, very good. Yeah, he came up very briefly, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, in the context of um, well, obviously referencing his big his his big book, the 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 uh, the origins the origins the makings of the English working class. Um, and he's basically sort of making a, suggesting that the class came about like much earlier than people would have thought and um, had all these sort of attendant sort of uh, cultural uh, motivations and things attached to it. I don't mm. know. Anyway, we'll yeah, find out. Totally. Yeah, Maybe yeah. cut all that because it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. Um, yeah. I saw a Hobbsbaum book that I was going to get today because I've never read any Hobbsbaum. Uh-huh. Didn't because it was super expensive. Yes, um, I was just reading some Hobbsbaum. Really? I've had a, Which I've, one? I've had a book. Which book? It's a, it's a collection of essays. It's called like Revolutionaries or something. Um, and I've, I've had it for like <laughs> 10 years maybe. Uh-huh. And I almost, I rescued it from a bag of books that was going to the church the other oh, cool. day. And, and now wonder whether it might be quite um, quite interesting to read. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll show it to you. I know he's written a bit about um, what, he, he wrote a book on historiography, which was the one I was going to get, which seemed really, really interesting. But there was a section in that book about what do we owe Marx as historians, which could be really oh, interesting. Yeah, get yeah, into yeah. a little historiography uh, and whatnot, study yeah, history. Yeah. Um, 11 out of 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Very yeah. good. Yeah. She rocks, folks. She rocks. Episode five, Jack Sipes. Oh, yeah. We dipped our teeny little toes into the teeny little pond of cultural theory actually an enormous pond the enormous pond of cultural theory (laughs) perhaps too large um to see what it means when entertainment gets commodified Mm -hmm. and it was an enlightening and confusing experience i think it was um i do think that much like a lot of like hard scientists um my understanding of this comes from the show bones um kind of make fun of uh psychology as being like well, how can you base that on anything? It's not a hard science where you're just talking about people's feelings and you just have theories. That's what Bones says. Um, I, cultural theory is a little bit like that too, Marxist cultural theory, because it's like when you talk about what it means to commodify entertainment, which is a hugely, I think, important thing to talk about, um, just in terms of ideology and whatnot and all the crap that we're consuming, it becomes hard to get into some hard uh, facts and uh, prove what you're saying beyond a gut feeling. And a lot of Frankfurt School stands are probably going to yell at me for that. Um, but it's true. And um, I, there's no getting around it. So I think the best that we can do is find someone that you kind of trust and maybe agree with before you kind of like know what you're getting into. Try and go into it with a critical eye, obviously. But um, I think that's kind of what we attempted to do with Jack Sipes again, because you he's written about... Because <laughs> he likes Lord of the Rings. Uh, he likes Tolkien. Maybe likes... He's, he's written about it a lot. Oh, okay. um, and I do like Ernst Bloch. The stuff of his that I've tried to read uh, is crazy. I've read some of his essays are really, really fascinating. I tried to read his big book. It's called like Philosophy of Hope or something like that. And I was just like, come on. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting experience, a necessary one. And I think the discussion of why cultural theory is so outweighed in Marxism is one that needs to be had. Sorry, but it does. <laughs> Oh, outweighed in the sense that it's something that people, Marxists... A lot of, a lot lot. of Marxists <laughs> there and not a lot anywhere else. Sure. Okay. I guess. I don't know. At least at universities, right? Which is kind of where you find Marxists. And that's sure. about it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a fun episode. Mm. Um, I think that I didn't um, 
wasn't in the best position to represent the text to some extent. <laughs> um, so there were certainly ways in which I misunderstood or didn't fully grasp what it was that he was going after. Um, it's certainly a topic that we are going to come back to. Yeah. Um, I remember being caught off, quite, quite caught off guard. Um, you asked me a question about what the what the utilitarian elements of Star Trek were, and I was kind of like, okay, I'm not prepared oh, for this at all. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Um, maybe I that's wonder... to, be, to be returned to. Yeah. Well, we could talk, we to can be have that conversation to. now, perhaps, yeah. although I'm no better prepared than I was. Some of his essay, that was, like we said, that was published in a journal for aesthetic education, and I think that could possibly account for some of the writing in it, right? I see. Um, some of his other stuff, he has a whole book on Ernst Bloch, I believe. I think it's yeah. Book. I think you've sent me a PDF. Yeah, of it. yeah and yeah, yeah. there are a couple chapters in there that would be a lot more enlightening because okay. um, they're a little bit more academic because he's you know studying a philosopher and um, whatnot. Um, I think that I kind of don't have a lot of brain power dedicated to philosophy. I hate to say it, just because like straight philosophy as it doesn't relate to anything else as around politics or economics or anything like that. I have a really hard time with. And my eyes just kind of glaze over. I wish I could, but so that's kind of why I think I was at first attracted to Jack Sipes because it's him talking. I get it's like filtered. He's talking about a philosopher who I'd probably quite like if I understood and bothered to read all of. But um, yeah, I don't sure. Know. Yeah, I think I have a similar experience with philosophy in that you really have to know what context it's supposed to be applied to. Yeah. Um, I mean that context is there and can be found but like yeah yeah <laughs> if you've got limited willingness like jack and i have <laughs> to put the effort in <laughs> yeah it's all effort. you need a little bit of a little bit of hand holding yeah yeah exactly exactly um jack Zipes, hold my hand hold my hand please please um it's also got a great name the first half of it at yeah, least yeah, yeah. um yeah, i thought it was zips Zip, zip, zoom, zoom. Um, that was a fun. It was a fun episode to, to just just talk about, like yeah, uh, Warhammer, yeah, Warhammer Star Trek, and cultural stuff like that. Um, Give the listener a taste of our taste, yeah, yeah, or lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how our experience with reading that would have been altered because we read Elamixon's Wood, Jack Sipes, Althusser. I wonder how it would have gone if we went Elamixon's Wood, Althusser, Jack Sipes because it was very. We talked about this on the show. It was very abrupt going from Ellingson's Wood to Jack Sipes and the way that that specific piece was written. Um, sure, yeah. I don't know which was more <laughs> difficult or clear. Yeah. I don't know. I don't well, know we did, yeah, we did the, the, the Miliband in between those two, did we not? Um, we did Sipes, oh, Miliband, and then y- y- You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So Arthur was kind of, Arthur was kind of like an inspired by... Mm. Um, I, sp- I suppose Miliband's light criticism of him or all these yeah. like, things that he had said about him. Mm. Yeah, another episode where I found myself quite lost to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Questioning my ability my to, existence. to uh, turn this material into listenable podcast content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you listened to all of that and got anything out of it, I'd be delighted to hear what it was. Bless was, you if you did. Um, I'm going to go... Seven and a half out of oh, ten. Oh, this is for Zipes. For Zipes. For Zips. 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 Yeah, Zips, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of those ideas, I vibe with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Vibe with them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, I need to give it a number. Ooh. 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 Drum roll, please. Seven and a half as well. All right. I agree. There you go. I Good. Agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> if um, I go less, Jack will be disappointed. If I go up, Jack will just have to come up to me. I'm like, actually, <laughs> I was actually going to say nine out of ten. Yeah. Um... 
skipping over episode six because we already talked about that. Miliband getting into episode seven. You heard his name, folks. Louis Al, short for Alfred Thurzer. Um, what's it called? Ideological, ideological state investigation. Yeah, so we said that this was, I think, the first thing that we read that was like, um, I want to be a guy that calls myself a Marxist. What do I agree Yeah, with? I don't know whether that is true of that text, or I suppose it's true. It's one that gets tossed around quite a, a bit. It's true of a... Um, of uh, an academic introduction to Marxism, sure. I suppose, mm. and Marxism's influence on academia. Sure. Um, if also, I suppose, just for no other reason that it gets criticized a lot, and it's something that everybody has read. Much like, well, actually, I was going to say much like Rosa Luxemburg's Reformer Revolution, but I don't think everybody has read that. They right. just criticize it. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> I've so, never read that. Maybe we could read that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should. Um, yeah, why not? Uh, yeah. This so this Althusser episode we spent. 20 to 25 to 30 minutes at the beginning talking about how we were just not going to give it any kind of shrift let alone <laughs> short shrift and we proceeded to give it some kind of shrift i believe what shrift that was let us know but um that was an interesting one yeah yeah i mean it certainly it it it, it put on the broad uh tapestry of our podcast it laid upon the table <laughs> um Sort of the gentle weaving. So, yeah, well, it it, it it gave us something to counterpose to um, the Miliband to some extent, yeah, Meeks which is good approach, right? Yeah, a much more less historical, much more philosophical, and then also sort of um, broadly structuralist, I suppose, and also um, a a a position which sought to defend um, sort of a base and superstructure distinction, which had been. Uh, which finds quite a lot of criticism in some of those other thinkers that we have been reading. Sure. Um, so it was nice to have something to counterpose to that. Yeah, that's important, I think. It definitely um, set up some avenues for us to approach in the future, particularly in trying to learn what yeah. some of that terminology actually meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, mean, um, <laughs> I, think there, I think if 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 I can put a bit of a caveat on it to be kinder to it to some extent, like there was certainly... Um, aspects of his kind of like theory of subjects so we say or like the theory mm. of ideology um his theory of ideology is a very sort of broad theory of subjectivity to some extent um and sort of how human belief systems work um that uh maybe we didn't represent in the best possible way or maybe <laughs> no way. maybe if we were if we were interested in that more so then we would have you could one could get quite a lot out of it kind of thing yes um, i think so i absolutely agree so there's yeah. certain there's certainly and it certainly it certainly fits into quite an interesting um which i i, I mean I, I i thought given that i have some sort of interest in uh psychoanalysis and lacan mm. and as i have sort of ostensibly read some amount of slavoj zizek like mm. i would have thought that i might have been able to um <laughs> understand more of our Caesar than there actually was. Wait a minute, was. I've but... read Slavo Zizek and I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just points out that maybe I don't, never really understood <laughs> Slavo Zizek to some extent. Um, but, 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 but from a philosophical perspective, um, there are theories of ideology and subjectivity which uh, we haven't grappled with yet and uh, you ought if you wish to. You ought and, and, to. And read some Althusser if you That's why, Use this podcast to see what you're interested in, folks. Um, I say that like I said that like it was ironic, but yeah, it's true because <laughs> obviously you're not going to be us. And if you're listening to a lot of shows that um, 
where the people are perhaps smarter than us, they're going to be like, potentially, you know, you should be interested in this. But fuck it, Dan and I don't even know what we're interested in. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, figure it that's out. That's a nice way to look at it. We can't, yeah. we can't tell you what to be interested in because <laughs> we don't have a clue. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, ideology. It's a big word. Mm-hmm. And we did it. We figured it out. Um, does make me want to read just because uh, Miliband talks quite a bit about uh, Gramsci. And he's like, nobody really had tried to develop a big theory of, you know, kind of like Gramsci and like common sense ideology, what role that plays in Marxism before him. Mm-hmm. We really should eventually try and tackle that. Um, I know you're saying notoriously hard to read. Yeah, we can find something. I found a few essays um, and books that were written about him. Oh, hey, wow, perfect. <laughs> um, um, Perry Anderson, who came up as somebody oh. who uh, who was criticised yeah. quite a lot by Ellen Leakes's Wood, <laughs> as, uh, wrote both a book and a notable essay on Gramsci. So cool. maybe we'll read one of those instead. We um, Yeah, we, so we have said we won't read any more Italians, but let's read... I'm, I'm sorry, we won't read any more French people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's read some Italians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, there is also... Um, I might like... I might quite enjoy making a, a return a historic return for me to um reading some left communists and some maybe some people in the sort of like communization tradition cool um who have a very particular reading of um what has happened to the working class and their revolutionary potential and has their revolutionary potential been so thoroughly diminished that we need some other way to just skip uh, to communism. Let's yeah, just so, yeah some other... Do we need some other theory of sort of political transition or political agency or political action kind of thing? Sure. Now, they're a particular case. That theory of the efficacy of uh, tying your politics in with the working class of the proletariat is a much broader critique and shared by a great many people in various different ways kind of thing. Mm. So maybe that's something we can read around more broadly. Sure. We haven't really answered necessarily yet. Is it is the working class worth it, <laughs> <laughs> or is it worth our efforts? Or I is, hope it, so. is it does it still have some potential, some revolutionary potential kind sure. of thing? Um, certainly, an avenue for investigation or discussion. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we almost got there with reading communizers. We did read an anarchist. Um, so, <laughs> in my head, I was yeah, just yeah. thinking <laughs> Louis has this ardent left communist, ardent <laughs> communist. Or anarchist well, or something. <laughs> or an, 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 an anarchist. Um, we have the video evidence. For, yeah. uh, we're speaking Italian, oddly it's enough. It's true. Um, yeah, maybe if I'm making corrections, like in that podcast, Jack was correct. <laughs> yes. As he does, does say, he is an anarchist. <laughs> well, I don't know why he was saying that, really, from that fragment of an interview. Well, yeah, yeah. He's I basically... Mean, he's, he's, he, he says it because um, the, uh, the ultimate aspiration and aim of both communists well marxists and anarchists mm. is a classless society and sure. so i mean their, their political aims are the same it's mm. a question of sort of strategy and yeah. trajectory and also b- broad theory um drop which, the sound bite now where he goes non sono communisti non sono comunista i think that's really funny <laughs> i don't know why italians there's funny people love them um Yes. Even French people speaking Italian. Even for oh god, yeah, you're right. Maybe Italian, not so funny. Italian in general. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I don't know if I can give this one a score because I don't think I really got it, 
too much. Yeah, yeah, we, we're yeah, 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 yeah. Na, we're not, NA. we're not in a position. <laughs> yeah, not applicable. Not <laughs> we anarchist. are not in a position to to to. Um. Yeah. To rate. Yeah. Louis Althusser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, yeah, our our um, our criticism was so heavily laden with our ignorance <laughs> that it would be unfair. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Moving on to something that I know a little bit more about, we had a relatively unplanned little California series these last two episodes, didn't we? Um, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, it was as close as we've come other than the trivia and stuff to being a current events pod. Um, and so, yeah, the first one, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, we read Mike Davis, Prisoners of the American Dream, the one section of it. Um, the New Rights Road to Power. Love it. Love Mike Davis. It was good. California is bad. It is a bad bellwether. Almost as bad as Ohio. And, yes. I think it's been my favourite episode. Really? That's cool. I, so I think mine too. Experientially for me, I suppose. In the oh, sense okay. that, like, to have read something, to synthesise it, to have what seemed like a useful conversation. It was useful. To, to, it felt like we knew to some extent what we were talking about. Took us eight episodes? <laughs> we got it. And also, kind of like, as a, as a thing to read, um, it felt... I suppose coming back to... Um, the idea of reading things um, that aren't directly Marxist theoretical and then applying it or potentially identifying it as information that you could use to build totally. theory later totally. on kind of thing. Totally. Even if we didn't come away with any big theoretical truths mm. then and there. Um, it was it was fun to look at something which was engaging in a sort of class analysis of the American bourgeoisie um, mm. in, in a certain period of time and also like questions of political strategizing and how political strategy and action uh, correlated runs parallel to um, economic and class analysis yeah in various ways yeah. yeah 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 it was really fantastic and i think too one of the reasons that was just because it was relatively fresh the events that happened and felt very uh reminiscent of perhaps what has recently been happening um and if we use that as a guide, then uh, we'll see what happens after Trump. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Really, really interesting. Um, it was freaky drawing the line from Reagan to all the way back to Taft and the New Deal. Because you really start to realize just how much we are still, even though it's been completely crushed, living in the shadow of America's attempt at social democracy yeah. and the huge retaliation against that and its success for 15 years as FDR was kind of there. And, you know, it's until like, it's like slow crumbling halt in the seventies or whatever, whenever you want to put that the eighties, I guess is kind of, you know, with Reagan or whatever, but um, yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting for me to see quite yeah. how 20th century is that right? American politics mm. was defined so much by mm. the New Deal and the sort of like still is legacy too. Of the New Deal. And yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. even even in, I mean, as you were saying about the sort of political aspirations of the left today, very mm. similar to still trying to establish in the U.S. I mean, you had you had a sort of like social democratic welfare state to some extent. Yeah, but it was never as established as what was developed in Western Europe or various elements totally. of Western Europe. Um, and it's just one of the ways in which America's sort of like unique, along compared to a great many others, kind of thing has a has a very interest has a really interesting like political, economic, social history. Yeah. Um, 
which should not be seen as a parallel to um, any of the European countries kind of thing. It's yeah. really quite bespoke and unique. Bespoke. Um, and something we, we should we should talk a much greater length about. Yeah. Um, be really really interesting to dig into the American political sort of party system to some extent, mm. which, I mean, there are essays in that book which are related to that, but we could go all the way back to the, the sort yeah. of like post-revolutionary period or... Yeah. Or sort of like changes in the nineteenth century kind of thing. You know what's um, you know what's one thing I've been thinking about ever since reading this is how freaky it is that like obviously FDR didn't end class society. He didn't um even want to come close, obviously, to doing that. He didn't end the power of the financial classes, but he restrained them in a way that we've never seen since. With Glass Steagall, as we said in the episode, with um uh, you know, insurance on bank accounts, whatever that's called, um, with just everybody going, okay, Wall Street sucks. Let's chill them out for a little bit. But it's freaky um, seeing how, even though FDR was able to do that, he was he and many other people after him were never able to get anything close to a public option for healthcare. And I don't know what that says. I don't know if it just says that, oh, that lobby was just strong, but it's like, you can't say how strong Wall Street is, right? And I just think it's odd that that was like the one thing that, not the one thing, obviously there's quite a bit I would like to have seen happen, but that was like the one thing that just, no, it's never going to happen. Never going to get a public option. Healthcare is, you make too much money off healthcare, I guess. I guess that's what it is. I'd like to kind of look into that because the American Medical Association, yeah. like what the hell? Yeah, yeah, it's I wonder crazy. whether there's something to do with how American healthcare was structured. Um whether because although um the nhs was inaugurated in was it 48 mm. um a sort of to the to the extent that it, it it's um lineage can be traced back to the atley government i suppose you could date it to 45 kind of thing but um there were also efforts in place to i mean there'd been a, a sort of nascent um something i think the nhs my understanding is the nhs um, was based on a system that was already kind of in operation in London kind of thing. There were mm. already um, sort of nascent elements to it. And also, I don't, like, it might be interesting to compare, like, British liberalism mm. to it's an analogue in America or even its absence, perhaps, kind of thing. Sure. Maybe there is a liberal tradition in America, in Britain, um, which sort of laid the groundwork for um, a kind of, like, paternalistic well a sort of paternalistic liberalism laid the groundwork for um, a social dem democratic um welfare state which included uh, a nationalized health service yeah um it'd be interesting to look at the american case and see um whether what 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 there was that was absent whether um fdr really had to force the reforms of the new deal onto america in a way that doesn't have a parallel in the UK or other European countries. Mm. Um, whether the the American political system had that sort of like paternalistic liberal element that I, I'm sort of suggesting that the British one kind of did. Sure. Um, maybe it was just that the US is a much younger country, got to a point much bigger, much less yeah, much bigger, I suppose. As well. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I read something about the history of the NHS as you could kind of trace its origins back to mutual aid societies that were kind of like people being like, okay, well, we just don't have doctors. Let's all pool our money so we can sure, get a yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that was kind of like people being like, "This is pretty good. I like this idea." Mm-hmm. So when someone like Bevan or whoever it was, so maybe, so maybe, it. so maybe, so maybe it doesn't have its analog. Doesn't doesn't have its um, any lineage in uh, British liberalism. Maybe it has more mm. of a connection to um, British socialism or like mutual aid, as you say, sort of trade union organisations or like yeah. just just workers organisations. Yeah, I would hesitate. Uh, not to... even trade union, just like uh, yeah, just workers organisation of to something to meet their basic needs kind yeah, exactly. of thing because there was an absence of um, yeah um, it seems like socialism what, yeah what, yeah what what was happening in america at the same time kind of thing not that is it something to do with the sort of like relatively spread out population mm. um maybe did, did it not have industrial centers in the way that um the uk did yeah i don't know yeah, yeah I, I think it, whether it's I, geographical I, whether it's demographic whether it's whatever kind of thing yeah yeah, because I get the feeling socialism kind of only grappled onto it when it was like, oh, we can use this as a political tool. Talking out of my ass, don't know. But I think that, yeah, a lot of it, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's to read a, about um, early 19th century totally. American socialism kind of thing. Um, yeah, it would. I'd like to read something about the communist schools, um, about late, the communist party, the history of the communist party. Um, and there's a lot to get into there. Yeah. You know, the schools, about infiltration, about how well that all worked, about why Maoism in the 60s and 70s and there's a lot yeah there's a lot that would be really interesting um but yeah anyway it's all coming it's all coming folks it's all coming it's all on the horizon on our syllabus (laughs) when we know we'll let you know (laughs) yeah it planned out 15 episodes ahead um (laughs) other thing it took from the Mike Davis was just how disciplined all those right-wing chuds were um they just figured out a way that it would work you just get the money behind it It'll you make whatever you want to happen happen because of how disciplined these freaks were. And that's the thing, though. That's the bummer about it. Is it's like you can do all the organizing as a leftist as you want, but it's like you're not going to get the money yeah, that they yeah. have to send mail to everybody, I guess, or that would have been in the 80s or um, have the resources. And so, yeah, bummer. Yeah. Bummer, bummer, bummer. Um, anything else from the Mike Davis? Anything about? What else did we do? This is, I didn't make notes for this one for today, so I'm just kind of talking. Um, yeah, it, it, what you said about the distinct bourgeoisie classes and stuff, and all that—that that was quite interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, good and stuff. It, and, uh, yeah, it goes a long way to explaining the state of American politics now. It does. Sadly, it does, folks. Um, I miss Ronald Reagan. <laughs> miss Ronald Reagan. Eight and a half to nine out of ten. Fuck it, nine out of ten. Okay. Love it. Okay. I, you know what? Honestly, I, this rating system makes no sense because I think I enjoyed reading this more than I've enjoyed reading the Miliband, but I still really yeah, enjoyed yeah, reading what, the Miliband. We, so we, I don't know. We, we, I mean, we really should have started the podcast by laying out our criteria for how we were judging <laughs> yeah. the books. Maybe we should have had some subcategories yeah. um, and then we could have we could have scored all the books oh, on various different levels. Episode um, 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, whatever, whatever. Nine. Whatever. Nine. 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 <laughs> um, and then we rounded out our long uh, anticipated Californian series. With the Californian ideology, Richard Barbrook, uh, Andy Cameron, I almost said David Cameron, Andy Cameron, episode nine, excellent. Very good. Um, all about the new free market ideology and how so much of it has to do with uh, a loose collection of freaks, nerds, and geeks, was I believe the quote, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from Silicon Valley and from the Bay Area. And like Mike Davis said, uh, many a tawdry tale begins in California spreads like a vicious disease to the rest of the country and indeed in this case to the world 
Yeah, very good. Uh, I really enjoyed reading. I'd read it before um, a couple times, but I think that this is something that deserves to kind of be up there with the like, you should read this if you want to be a lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it, it complemented the Davies reading quite nicely and sort mm-hmm. of extended some of those ideas. Um, we obviously need to dig more into various aspects of the... Um, the I always wanted to say alt left, uh, the new left, <laughs> um, the new left uh, in the sixties and seventies. So much about that sort of politics that I don't really understand, and how to how to um, uh, situate it in relation to um, left wing politics more broadly. Um, yes, I'd like to I'd like to read more of that. Um, I'd like to maybe even then use that to influence. Um, an effort, an effort to engage with the um, Mark Fisher and his mm. uh, acid communism mm. stuff. Interesting. Um, so Interesting. It'd, be, it'd be it'd be quite nice to jump from one to the other, mm. or to let one influence the next and the next. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I want. We. I. I wonder what in our analysis we may have generalized quite a lot about the new left and sort of just sort of yeah. painted it as, or at least I did perhaps um, paint it as entirely fixated on sort of like liberating the individual and having well, this sort dude. of individualistic focus it is painted um, in this as like a very specific part of the new left from a very specific part yes, of the country yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah yeah but is it yeah interesting that like so, uh, so yeah it's just stating the obvious i suppose but like <laughs> certain aspects of hippieism found a very happy home in amongst the yeah. uh, the muck of the new right, the and, muck, the and muck in the, the filth, the, the neoliberal transition, yeah, um, and it and it is quite interesting, like <laughs> some of the slightly sort of like uh, sci-fi predictions and um, <laughs> sort of like <laughs> yeah, sort of like criticism of the sort of like the post-humanist fixation of these characters. Uh, whilst not being entirely borne out, I mean, I think it probably does have go some way to explaining the weirdness mm. of some of these sort of like mm. uh, our contemporary crop of like tech billionaires and uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. As inspired by well, it's I mean, it's just these people, these musks, these bezos, these bezai, yeah, 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 yeah. these. Uh, <laughs> Who's the guy? Microsoft Zuckerberg. guy Gates. Oh, Gates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Zuckerberg doesn't really fit into that, although he is. No, Zuckerberg really kind of does. Zuckerberg kind of does because, like, all these people, Taz Epstein in there. Quite frankly, they all want to seem like uh, they've got it all figured out, and that's why I'm on top of the world. And to have it figured out in modern society, it's like you have to be like somewhat socially liberal, as these people claim to be. Right? Not saying that they are. And, but you still have to have that new right ideology of like, well, of course free markets works because I'm Elon Musk and my father told me they do and I made a ton of money, so you can too, right? Sure. Um, and I think that, yeah, this essay went a long way to explaining where that came from because it kind of made a rotting ideology before, like, as it started of the Reaganism crap, it made it cool, much like for a lot of the far right wing people. Reagan was made cool because he spoke at NRA conversations and had Anita Baker talking about, like, you know, basically just, like, murdering gay people and, like, uh, Phyllis Schlafly basically being, like, women suck. Um, It's the same thing. It's, like, 
this ideology has to be made cool and this was the way that it was made cool and acceptable to be a free marketeer because if you think about it for five seconds it's like wow that what that's the worst ideology ever i hate it it's like i forget who said it but someone said quite a few times like if the republican party said what their actual platforms were they would never get a single vote which whatever we'll put that aside for however true that is but it's like it's the same idea it's like you know musk's twitter presence veils the fact that he's just another capitalist on the long line of pigs right like mm-hmm. he's just it's the same trough so to speak yeah um i wonder yeah. whether also um certain aspects of that reading can tell can tell us some things about the nature of contemporary american liberalism yeah. or at least like totally where some of those things have come from right the the tech the the, the tech billionaires and other tech workers willingness to um claim a sort of commitment to liberation whilst also not only tolerating but also benefiting from even more and more egregious types of exploitation yeah um their their sort of blindness to to the sort of like the sort of exploitative reality of of the their the system world in which they've established might have a parallel in um sort of like centrist democrats sort of yeah equal willingness to sort of uh, yeah certain aspects of the ideology of contemporary american liberalism yeah odds are if you're one of these mainstream yeah if you're one of these cool free market liberals you have the same economics as trump you just do i hate Mm -hmm. to say it but you do so um uh put that in your pipe and smoke it as the hippies would say Mm -hmm. um 15 out of 10 why not look at that fair enough fair enough enough, (laughs) enough. enough. yeah so yeah some collection of ones and zeros. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I knew some binary, I could do a binary joke, but I don't. So um, whatever, whatever the binary one? is, zero one, ten. Uh, ten. <laughs> <laughs> zero one, yeah, one. I don't know. Uh, some collection, as you say. Some collection. Um, so that rounds it out. Ten yeah. episodes. Mm-hmm. Ten uh, episodes. Uh, we did it. Uh, here's our first clip show. Um, I do think, yeah, I think it's kind of important to kind of go back and look at what we've read. Because, like, you know, when we read it, we have, like, a week to read it, and then we talk about it. And um, you need things to compost a bit more, to kind of rot in your brain, to think about them a bit more. So I think it's kind of important to do these things, um, even if we come out of and the same thing as, like, Althusser's impossible to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And it's also quite easy to do these episodes really thinking you want to talk about something and then totally forget to talk about it totally kind of thing. Yeah. or like only realize afterwards that there was some significant parallel between two things that you read yeah then, like, um yeah we said so, a while yeah. ago don't read what we're reading but i would make an addendum to that read it after you listen to us about <laughs> it because then you can't criticize us as you listen to it read it a couple weeks later oh i see um, good yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. then you'll see everything yeah. that we missed and yeah. everything that we didn't talk about and figure it out for yourself what you think and you won't yeah. know we're wrong when we're when you're listening. <laughs> At least in real time, we'll yeah. be a couple of weeks out by that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we'll have caught up and we'll have worked it out. <laughs> maybe we will have realized our ignorance. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe we will never realize our ignorance. <laughs> um, we, haven't, we haven't told the listeners about our excellent uh, oh, news. <laughs> oh my god, the news! Oh my god! So we said we're a current events pod. We said we wouldn't talk about beans anymore. But folks, I'd given up on the beans. The allotment broad beans. 
we got some. I think I planted, I want to say like 15. <laughs> I planned a lot. Um, it was a bit worried you sent me a picture and it was the, the same. Yeah, I realized I sent you the same photo. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I didn't okay. need to do that. I thought you were so pleased with this one. There was only it's one. It's just the exact same growing. angle. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I, 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 after Jack sent me this picture of his one bean, <laughs> his one lone bean growing, I went out to check our broad bean patch and uh, realized that we had quite a lot growing really? as well. Excellent. Um, Excellent. The weather has changed a bit, I guess. I yeah, yeah. I think I suppose that, I mean, you, you planted yours before us, but oh, ours has been under quite a substantive pane of glass for quite a long time. Yes. So I think maybe uh, ours look about the same size as your one did. Mm. Okay, yeah. And I think maybe we have maybe 10 or so, so far. Cool. I think that's, yeah, like I was going to say, I think, yeah, planted about 15 and I think 10 or 12 have come up or something. Uh -huh. But plenty uh -huh. of beans come uh -huh. February or whatever. So um, yeah, so you might have to endure even more <laughs> sort of tedious week by week uh, bean, bean updates. updates and analysis. You thought you were out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we pulled you back in with the beans. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're so motivated, you might have to come and sabotage our bean crop. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see then you we try. Can, we can find something equally sort of tedious and boring. I'd like to, to talk see about. you try. I've been studying Viet Cong war tactics. You're not getting anywhere near my beans. <laughs> you think you will. The, uh, the, uh, the, the allotment is well booby drowned. <laughs> exactly. If you've <laughs> ever seen uh, <laughs> family... What Jack, is it? Jack's taken to living in a pit that he's dug <laughs> exactly. in the allotment. <laughs> I live in filth. If you've ever seen, I think it's Swiss Family Robinson, there's a scene yes. where like... They capture people. I still want to live in that tree. I want to like that's. I want that tree house. That's yes, house. that would be good. But they put palm fronds over a pit, and in the pit, there's like a tiger. I've done that. <laughs> so don't go anywhere near my beans. You'll get eaten by a tiger. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Um. Yeah, yeah. My beans not not as well protected. Yeah, get Dan's beans. I might even get Dan Dan's beans. Um, I've heard that harvesting them was a little tricky just because you think that it's the right time to harvest, and I was like, oh, it was a week ago. Now they're too leathery. Oh, I beans. see. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, mean, that was yeah. the entire story of our last year of trying to grow things is like <laughs> yeah. harvesting everything too late because we yeah. don't really know. Yeah. Um, and not really having harvest, but just taking things when we want to eat them. Yeah. Whereas I'm going to have to work on harvesting and storing things. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if, if, I, if we want to grow any substantive crops of anything. Grow more beets. Grow more beets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plenty of beets, folks. Um, please steal Dan's beats. He's got a lot. Um, well, all good things must come to an end, Dan. It was a lovely first 10 episodes. I think we did yeah. quite uh, acceptably and um, happy with them. I am. Quite good. <laughs> um, yeah, happy we did, I think. Uh, happy with the kind of like selection of things that we've read. Hopefully you guys are too. And hopefully we'll find some more interesting stuff to read. And it'll all be great. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. This is coming out on Christmas, I think. And um, it's all good. And there's one other thing I want to say, but I forget what it was. Oh, um, we're not going to take a week off. We're we not. will just we be going be, through it. We should hopefully be able to come back at hopefully. you with a New Year's episode as well. In theory, yeah. 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 Will that be on New Year's? The next the episode after this will come out on... So maybe, is that New no, Year's I think Day? I'm working yeah. New Year's Eve, so I think it's going to come... That's the 31st thing. That's a Thursday. It's totally New Year's Day, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, look at that. We planned it. We planned all this years ago. Done great. Done great. Anything else? I don't think so. Hmm. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Maybe we'll do a Christmas-themed outro. Ho, 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 ho. Um... Not sung by us. Not sung by us. Fortunately. Unfortunately. We'll get there. We'll uh, review some sheet music, some Marxist sheet music one day. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, all right. Uh, this charade has gone on long enough. Um, this has been... Auxiliary Statements. Auxiliary Statements. I am not Jack. I am not Dan. Figure it out. One of us is lying. <laughs> See you next time. Bye-bye. See you in the new year.
you heard this episode was music to kill bad people too by king gizzard and the lizard wizard if you like this song you can check it out and much much more on their Bandcamp at kinggizzard.bandcamp.com be sure and follow us up on instagram twitter and facebook and if you like what you heard be sure and tune in next week for some more commie discussion till next time Whoa.